round of eight we go into the NASCAR playoffs. This is the Money Stop alongside Cole Cusimano. I'm Steven Cusimano, and wow, we had another great race at the Roval Cole. Kyle Larson with his seventh win of the year, his third on a road course, and it was an amazing race with different contenders all throughout, and we saw the ending, hopefully, maybe, to the sequel of Chase Elliott versus Kevin Harvick, and just a lot of things to talk about, Cole. Four drivers were eliminated. We saw probably uh, the favorite or one of the favorites for the championship win again. And and it was a great race all throughout. And the Roval continues to cement itself as one of the best tracks on the circuit. Yeah, this was by far the best decision NASCAR's made in the last probably 10 years, adding the Roval to the circuit. Just all four races have been phenomenal. I think, as you mentioned, we've seen different players pretty much throughout each of those races um, there has never been a dull moment in these races either, um, and it was just a, another really good day. I do think we've seen the end of the Kevin Harvick-Chase Elliott feud only because there was some talk about NASCAR sitting down with those guys and the teams and, and discussing how they approach it going forward. But, um, you know, from from Harvick's post-rec interview, it seemed like he really wasn't satisfied with the outcome. But to that, I say, if you're going to... Do something like that. Make sure the job's done to its its abilities. You know, make sure Chase Elliott's done for the day because we saw how it played out. Uh, I, I think there was a little bit of an intimidation factor at play. Uh, Harvick missed his turn, locked up the brakes, and smashed into the wall, and that the end result was a uh, merry off season and a happy Christmas, <laughs> as as we uh, now know from Chase Elliott. But overall, really good day. Um, I think that the word of the day was resilience from Hendrick Motorsports specifically, because we saw Alex Bowman battle electrical issues all day, and he was rightfully overshadowed by Kyle Larson, who also had electrical issues but was able to win the race, but Alex Bowman got a very under-the-radar top 10. William Byron needed to win this race. He was one of the top cars all day and had a very good shot at the win, but in the end, it was Kyle Larson who overcame an alternator belt issue, a battery issue, and he uh, won in a championship-caliber performance from the entire five team. That was, uh, we were watching this race sep separately, and that was one of the first things that I texted you during it was, what, you know, when Kyle Larson was even like 10th, when he was 5th, and after the electrical issues, I just, I kept telling you, this is a championship performance. Like, they're going to win the race, and this is the stuff that championship teams are made of. Forget championship drivers, but you, you run into issues like that, whether it be mechanical, uh, if it's on pit road, whatever it might be. Just look at the way a team handles adversity, and you know that's you're looking at a championship contending team right there. And it's, it was very reminiscent for me. Again, having grown up a big Jimmy Johnson fan, that's Jimmy's team. Like that's the same team for the most part that won seven championships, obviously with quite a bit of turnover, but. That is a team that knows how to win championships and a driver that is learning how to win championships and is going to be good for an extremely long time. Now, on the fan side from this race, Cole, um, another thing I was texting you about pretty frequently was William Byron. Man, like this guy, he has got the clutch gene. Like you saw what he did at Bristol. You saw what he did at the Roval. Obviously, things didn't work out at the Roval, but just as a fan, it was so fun to watch a driver that needed to win and was battling back from more adversity and almost did win this race, and it would just, you know, would have, again, as a fan, would have been really cool to see that happen, but the four drivers that were eliminated, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Christopher Bell, and Kevin Harvick. Any surprises there? Because honestly, I would say through a couple weeks in the NASCAR playoffs, through the first two rounds, not really any major surprises. I'll start by saying, at least on my end, again, I thought this would be the hard round for William Byron to get out of, 
It proved to be that. Uh, I think that we go to a set of tracks now that cater well to Hendrick Motorsports in Texas and Kansas. That was why I picked William Byron to be in the championship four, but obviously things didn't quite work out that way. But you look at the four drivers that were eliminated along with the four that were eliminated in the round of 16. No major surprises, but I, I mean, we talked about Going into the playoffs, Cole, the veterans separate themselves. Brad Keselowski has had a terrible season coming into the playoffs. He's in the round of eight. Joey Logano, nothing to write home about coming into the playoffs. He's in the round of eight as well. And you just look at the eight drivers remaining. It's a lot of savvy veterans that, that know how to get it done at this time of year. So I would say, in general, in my opinion, not very many surprises. Not really. And you have five former champions going to repeat. Mm-hmm. Three looking for their first title, which is pretty cool to see. Uh... No, not really. I think this round, there wasn't any surprises. The biggest one for me was was Kevin Harvick, just because the season he came off last year with the nine wins and how dominant he was. Um, I just think this is kind of like a telltale sign that maybe he is nearing the back end of his career, and maybe that Stuart Haas Racing does have a bit of a resurgence next year, but um, it, it was a little bit alarming how they kind of handled that this season and this postseason. But as far as the three young guns go, Alex Bowman... Christopher Bell, William Byron, I think it was a great, great stepping stone for what should sure to be successful careers for each of them because we mentioned the resilience uh, with the 48 and the 24 team, and even before this show, we mentioned numerous times how there is, there, there's going to be seasons of trial and error. We saw it with Chase Elliott. We saw it with Ryan Blaney. We're still seeing with Ryan Blaney and these these younger guys. You're going to have to go battle that adversity and take the losses and, and just build off that for next year. And I think that what we saw from William Byron specifically was really, really encouraging. I think uh, Alex Bowman had a really good year, too, in terms of uh, capitalizing on wins and um, also kind of being resilient as well. Not as maybe successful as William Byron. but And then Christopher Bell, first year in the postseason, didn't expect a whole lot, but I think they held themselves well. Nothing really too flashy, but that's kind of like what we saw with Cole Custer last year. And for them to make the round of 12, was uh, it was a good step, you know? Agreed on all accounts. I think that those three drivers are going to contend for championships each at some point or another. As we continue to see some veteran drivers kind of phase out of the sport, and that's where I, I want to talk about Kevin Harvick for just a second here. This season really does remind me quite a bit of the 2018 season for Jimmy Johnson. It was the first year where things really tailed off, and he was winless for the first time in his career. You've seen the parallels of what happened at the Roval for Jimmy that year versus Harvick this year. Just really kind of a demoralizing performance. Um, but, you know, certainly things could change. It's going to be a clean slate next year with the next-gen car. Coming off a season in 2021 where it's it's down to three teams. It's the three teams we've been talking about all year. Penske, Hendrick, and Gibbs. All eight drivers remaining come from those three teams, and so we'll see what happens. Let's look at the top ten results from the Roval Kyle Larson, of course, won. Tyler Reddick, with a really strong day, finished second. Chris Buescher, also a really strong performance in third. Kyle Busch, fourth. Denny Hamlin, fifth. Matt Benedetto very quietly pieced together a sixth-place finish. Joey Logano, seventh. Christopher Bell, eighth. Ryan Blaney, ninth. And Alex Bowman, with that electrical issue, ended up finishing tenth. So, um, Cole, I want to also touch on the Xfinity race, because A.J. Allmendinger just seems like a, an automatic lock for these road course events, and that is exactly what he did in winning Again, at the Roval. Yep, three-peat for A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, I think he's the winningest driver now in Xfinity Series history on road courses with six, I want to say. So just, again, I, I can't speak highly enough uh, about A.J. Allmendinger and Colleague Racing and the resurgence that they've had. Um, I think that Colleague Racing is going to be one of the top teams here very soon enough. 
they are already are in the Xfinity series, but I'm sure they're going to get there at Cup really soon when they go full-time next season. And I know I keep saying it, but I'd love to see AJ Allmendinger get a full-time ride in Cup here pretty soon. I think it's going to be likely if he keeps clicking off wins and hopefully wins the championship here uh, later on in 2021, but you never know. I think it's just been a really good season for AJ and Colleg Racing, and it's only good things from here. Right, and there's a clear path for him. Like, if Colleg Racing was to expand to a two-car team down the road at some point, clearly, as long as the, the passion is still there and the want to, to race is still there for AJ Allmendinger, he would be the first choice outside of Justin Haley to, to assume one of those spots and that brings up another interesting point, probably the biggest piece of news this week. How about GMS Racing, one of the very successful teams in the truck series, making the jump to Cup Series Racing on a full-time basis with Ty Dillon. Something uh, very interesting, kind of out of left field, but it's another good thing to see. A team that was succeeding at one of the developmental levels, coming to the Cup Series with a driver that has a pretty good amount of Cup racing experience. I'm a big fan of this uh, move by GMS Racing, just because... Ty Dillon, another guy kind of similar to AJ, who kind of got outcasted from the Cup Series, but he always had a lot of talent, was driving for underfunded teams like Jermaine Racing. And, um, you know, he, he's, he's spoken very much openly about his mental health and his uh, desire to want to compete in NASCAR and racing. And I think this is going to be a really good opportunity for him and GMS. I think they're going to be, it's going to be a really successful pairing. Now with that, let's officially turn the page to our next track and the round of eight. We're going to Texas this week, one of my favorite intermediate tracks on the circuit. Always really fun to watch, and let's start by looking at the paint schemes. And we've got some pretty good ones this week. Uh, immediately jumping off the page, obviously, is the number eight car of Tyler Reddick. It looks exactly like the old paint scheme for Dale Earnhardt that he ran in many of the later years of his career. Really cool to see that car on track at Texas. And then the other one I wanted to touch on was the 99 of Daniel Suarez, the, uh, what is it, freeway insurance car. The green, the blue, the white. It's just a really sharp-looking paint scheme. Similar look to his other ones, but just the, the colors on that one really stand out and contrast each other well, and, and I like that one a lot. And can't forget the uh, the 37 of Ryan Priest, that Little Hugs car. Anytime the Little Hugs are on the car, it's going to be a, a dime for me. So those are... The three dimes immediately. I also like the uh, the 17 of Chris Buescher. But Cole, what are your thoughts on what we're looking at here? Which you can find on at the underscore money stop if you want to follow along with these same cars that we're looking at right now. I kind of echo the same things you just said, to be honest. Uh, I think I, I do want to bring up both RCR cars, the 8 of Tyler Reddick and the 3 of Austin Dillon. I think both cars look really good. You mentioned the Intimidator look for Tyler Reddick. But the number 3 for Austin Dillon, it's a, a flannel themed uh bass pro shops car so the front half of the car is like a red flannel and the back half of the car is just black but i did want to mention i think both these cars would look really good with the new number placement and i think i can't tell if it's just the way that the graphic was made for nascar.com but it seems like the numbers kind of shifted over to the left for the number eight of tyler reddick so maybe a little bit of a test in the waters for 2022 but both those cars look really good, really simple, and they I think they both look good for the new number placement in 2022. I do want to give a nickel out to the number 23 of Bubba Wallace. Uh, the Columbia cars have been pretty good this year. Just not a huge fan of this color palette. It's like a, like a light gold fading into a black towards the rear of the car. And it's... It's not like the scaly texture that they had for the those few fish cars, but it's, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just a weird design, not a very good uh, color scheme. And then, I've never done this before, but I'm going to give a penny out. Not, not even a nickel, a wow. penny to the Chevy Liners car <laughs> of Ross Chastain. That 42 is atrocious. <laughs> 
The front half of the car is like a mustard gold yellow. The back half is white, but there's a, a doormat right behind the 2 and the 42. It just looks horrible. Not a fan at all. Uh, you mentioned Little Hugger's car. I do love that one as well. I also, I, I love seeing that sponsor, that brand, have a bigger presence in NASCAR. We've seen it on the 19 of Brandon Jones in the Xfinity Series, uh, the 47 of Stenhouse, and now Priest. So if I like to see them uh, get some more time, more exposure in the Cup Series, and I guess across the sport in general. That's a really cool, fun brand. Nostalgic. Yeah, that 42 car is friggin' brutal. But before we move off the topic of uh, paint schemes, nickel or dime, I do want to say that if that, you know, speaking on the RCR cars, the three and the eight with the number placement moving a little bit forward on the car, you know, if that's what we're looking at for next year, I don't mind it. Like, that is not egregious. Like, if you're a casual fan, you don't really notice. You say you're a NASCAR fan that, that doesn't watch the sport very often. You don't really notice those numbers are moved up um, unless you're looking for it. But, you know, when you see it really far up, like right next to the front uh, left, the left front when you see it moved up really close to the front, like right next to the left front wheel well, that's where I have an issue with it. But if that's all it's going to be, like, I I don't have any issue with that. I think it looks fine. And, yeah, I'm excited to see some of these cars on track come Sunday at Texas. But let's look at the starting lineup for this race. It's going to feature the top eight drivers being the round of eight drivers with Kyle Larson starting on the pole, followed by Denny Hamlin and then Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney in the second row, Joey Logano and Chase Elliott in the third row, Brad Keselowski and Martin Truex Jr., 7th and 8th. And then the top two starting non-playoff drivers in 9th and 10th will be Tyler Reddick and Chris Buescher. So with that, Cole, time to take it to the bank and look at the odds per bet MGM. The favorite in this race, to no surprise, is Kyle Larson at 11-4 to 4 odds, followed by Denny Hamlin at 6-1, to 1, and then tied for third at 7-1, to 1, Kyle Busch and Chase Elliott. And then another playoff driver with the fifth best odds, that's Martin Truex Jr. at 15-2. to 2. So Cole... What are we looking for in this race? Trends, drivers to watch. Uh, what exactly is it that we're looking for at Texas Motor Speedway? All right. So if you'll remember, there was no points paying race at Texas earlier this year, but the all-star race was held there. Um, HMS and Team Penske dominated by far. Not to say Joe Gibbs Racing underperformed, but NASCAR was testing out that ridiculous five-stage format with mandatory green flag stops, and they were trying a bunch of different strategies to go against the rain. But... Regardless, William Byron led the most laps, actually, with 30. Then it was Kyle Larson and Ryan Blaney proving to be the top three cars that night as well. Larson would end up winning, and then Keselowski and Elliott would end up rounding out the top three. But going back to last year, Austin Dillon and RCR went 1-2 with that surprise victory on a late restart in the first Texas race. Ryan Blaney dominated that race, led 150 laps, swept both stages. Next most uh, highest laps led was Harvick with 40, so... Ryan Blaney really put on a clinic in that race, and I think, as you'll see once we get to our stats, he's going to be one of the cars to beat this weekend. Um, then in the 2020 playoff race, it was an even-keeled battle between Kyle Busch and Clint Boyer with the 18 prevailing to win his first and only race that season with 90 laps led. Chase Elliott had an awful day. He was the only playoff driver to finish outside the top 10. He finished 20th and two laps down, so on that, we'll get to the trends here. There have been no less than 23 lead changes in the last four races at Texas for so the last two years. and the last 10 races at Texas, there have been eight or more cautions in all but two races. Um, and then as far as winners go, we've seen Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Kurt Busch, Joey Logano, Austin Dillon, and Ryan Newman win at this track. Yeah, this should be a pretty interesting race. And 
honestly, like you mentioned, guys like Ryan Blaney and Kyle Busch, two that really aren't favorites to win the championship, but they have some good success here. So it's interesting to look at the tiers here. As we look at the elite drivers, I just mentioned Kyle Busch. Again, not a championship favorite, but he has showed time and time again why he's one of the best active drivers at this track at Texas. He scored his fourth win in Fort Worth, best among active drivers, and also adding to his series best in top fives with 14, and laps led with 1,049 through 30 starts at this track. And he ranks among the top three in active drivers with five or more starts at Texas with an average finish of 11th, and he has led laps in six of the last seven races at this track, and oh, by the way, starts in the top three. So Kyle Busch starting third, priced at 9800 for this track. I think he's going to be a pretty solid bet to possibly win this race. I mean, you look at last year, again, you just mentioned it. It was the only race that he won, and it's at a time where Kyle Busch is, is a two-time champion in this sport. He knows how and when to turn it up, and this very well may be a race where we see him in victory lane. Yeah, I completely agree. You can never count him out, especially at Texas. Um, but the other guy we're going to close out our elite bracket with is Kevin Harvick, who may have taken himself out of the playoffs, but he's been one of the best at this track in recent years. And he should be in line for a strong day. Uh, all three of his wins came within a two-year span from 2017 to 2019. And through 36 starts, he is tied for the most top 10s among active drivers with 23. And he has the second most laps led with 682 and a 10.4 average finish. So even better than Kyle Busch. So that's something to definitely take into consideration. And similarly to Kyle Busch, but in a bit of a more successful way, he's led laps in seven of the last eight races at Texas. So starting 24th, valued at 10,900, I think Kevin Harvick should be a good pick. Um, you just don't know if you're going to see any carryover from the Harvick Elliott feud, even with the talks that NASCAR had with both teams. Yeah, I mean, just speaking on that real quick, I don't think, I think it's kind of over. I mean, you said that they talked, the two teams talked with NASCAR, and obviously Chase Elliott didn't even retaliate. So, like, you know, what is he going to do? What is Chase going to do to Harvick? What is Harvick going to do to Chase? Um, I could be wrong, but I mean, just looking at the fact that Chase didn't retaliate, technically, I, I don't see it happening. Well, let's get into our next bracket of drivers, and this is what we call the good tier, and that's with Kurt Busch. May only have one win at Texas, which came all the way back in 2009, but he's been one of, if not the most consistent drivers at Texas, so maybe a driver that's not going to win, but one that, as of late, in this Gen 6 car, like Kevin Harvick, has been really consistent. He's riding an eight-race top 10 streak going back to 2017 and runs very well on mile-and-a-half tracks this season, remember, he got the win in Atlanta, and while the results have been there as far as finishing positions, hasn't led very many laps lately at Texas, only 41, so he's been successful in this eight-race stretch. He starts 17th, and he's valued at 8,700, so could be considered a lock for most lineups, I would think. I mean, he's a very good value, a guy that, again, he starts deeper in the pack. You've got to expect, you know, based on the recent trends, he's going to get a top 10, maybe not lead laps, but he's going to get you a positive chunk of points and somebody that, you know, looking at different prices and, and what your budget might be for DFS purposes, he's a guy you're probably going to want in your lineup. Definitely somebody that's going to get you a lot of points, especially given that eight race top 10 stretch starting 17th, 8,700, again, great value. And he's the guy that I think I'd almost piece my lineup around that were one of the guys the other guy who I definitely want to in my lineup is going to be Ryan Blaney, who could surprise for the win. And this has silently been one of his best tracks of his career in the Cup Series, with insane stats to back it up. For someone who is not known for leading a lot of laps, he's led a 403 in 12 starts with 140 plus in two races. Also has the one runner-up at Texas that came in 2018, 
and he finished fourth most recently in the points-paying race last year in the fall, but also finished top five in the All-Star race this year. So with top tens and half a starts at Texas, including a current three-race stretch of top tens, I'm considering Ryan Blaney a lock for your lineup, especially starting fourth, valued at 9,500. Uh, put him in your lineups, please. Yeah, when I think of Ryan Blaney, like you think of certain drivers and you immediately think of the tracks that they excel at. When I think of Ryan Blaney, Texas is one of the tracks I think of when I think of him. So that's definitely a guy that I think has a really good chance of winning this race. And in my opinion, should definitely be in your lineup. But how about another guy that definitely is no slouch? Kyle Larson. He's valued at 10500 Starts on the pole. He's going to have an extremely good chance to go out there and lead every lap of this race, win the stages, and possibly win the race as well. You can pretty much throw the numbers from the past out, even though Kyle Larson hasn't had the best career at Texas. Does have the runner-up finish in 2017, but he won the All-Star race this year, which, remember, was at Texas, so... I mean, just look at Kyle Larson's stats on the intermediate tracks this year. Three wins, 1,351 laps led, 10 stage wins, 8 top 10s, an average finish of 6th in 10 races. I mean, those numbers speak for themselves. I mean, Kyle Larson, think about it. He was racing for Chip Ganassi in recent years. He's racing for Hendrick Motorsports this year. And ever since he's taken over this five car, he has been almost unbeatable at the mile and a half track. So... Kyle Larson, if you're choosing studs in your lineup, he's definitely one that I would strongly, strongly consider, as well as another couple of former champions, maybe, Cole. Yes, and our first is going to be Joey Logano, who, much like Kurt Busch, has been one of the more consistent drivers at Texas. He only has the one win in 2014, but he has 14 top 10s, and nine of those came in the last 10 races here. So his 465 laps led are top five among active drivers, and starting fifth, valued at 9,100. Another really, really good pick. Another track that I kind of think of when I think of Joey Logano, I think he runs very well at Texas. I think Texas kind of as a whole profiles very well with Team Penske. So we could see a big day from Blaney, Kislowski, and Logano. Um, but I definitely have a bit more faith in Logano and Blaney. And then we'll round out this good bracket with Martin Truex Jr., who may be winless at Fort Worth, but he's seen a lot of success at this track. In fact, he finished runner-up in the most recent race there. He hasn't been the most consistent there, but he has 673 laps led and 31 starts, along with 17 top 10s. Um, he's also the lowest starting playoff driver in 8th, valued at 10,300, so could be good in terms of uh, place differential points if you're going to pick one of those playoff drivers. But, I don't know, if, if you're looking at those guys like Kyle Larson, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr., who are above $10,000, I'd definitely lean towards um, Kyle Larson for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that front. And, you know, you're probably going to fit maybe two of those guys in your lineup. I like Larson. I like Blaney. Um, definitely Kurt Busch, who is more in the lower tier of drivers as far as price goes. And now we're going to get into the sleepers, guys that you can definitely fit in your lineup. And that's going to start with Eric Jones. He's been kind of on a roll recently, uh, had a, a decent race at the Roval, started 17th, finished 17th, but uh, the few races before that was performing really well, and, and he's kind of had a, maybe one of his better stretches of the season coming into this race at Texas. And speaking about Texas, he's got six top 10s in nine starts in the Cup Series. All six of those were in a six-race span, but unfortunately that streak was broken earlier this year. So that's, I guess, the downside, but another upside, he's led laps in the last four races at Texas. So definitely something to watch for as he starts 21st. And he's valued pretty cheap at 6600 Next on the list, we have a Stuart Haas Racing Ford of Eric Amarola, who's led laps in the last four races as well at Texas, with a top 10 in four of the last five there, including a runner-up in the fall of 2019. He finished 23rd most recently, 
Um, and starting 22nd value at 8100 may be a bit pricey to be considered a good value pick, but definitely a, a sleeper for sure. And how about a sleeper that can win? Tyler Reddick had a really good car last week at the Roval and came close to contending for the win in that race, and he comes to another track that's been really good to him. Look at the, the All-Star Open earlier this year. Tyler Reddick looked really, really good, finished runner-up there last year. He has yet to place below 15th in the Cup Series at Texas, and he's been one of the best non-playoff drivers at every single track since the postseason began. And again, last week's runner-up finish was a perfect example of that. Starts ninth and valued at 7,700. Could be a little bit of a risk just with all the playoff drivers that start in front of him, but Again, the upside with Tyler Reddick is extremely high. I agree. And Reddick's a guy I actually want to fit in my lineup for sure, just because he's been so great in the playoffs so far. And this is a track that really profiles to him. But we'll close out the sleeper bracket with Ryan Newman, who has a chance to give you a lot of place differential points because he starts 31st, and he's finished inside the top 15 three of his last four starts. Valued at $7,000, I think it's a really solid value pick, to be honest. And I know he's not been the flashiest driver in 2021, but, you know, he's on the back end of his career like a lot of guys that are up there in age, and he wants to close out this year on a high note. Yeah, and think about it. We've seen Roush Fenway Racing look pretty sporty on the intermediate tracks uh, from a couple different occasions this year, and Ryan Newman, I didn't realize he had that good success the last four races there, so uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on couple other notes, though, that kind of closes out our favorite drivers to maybe include in DFS lineups and possibly pick for the win. Uh, but you do have a few drivers with big names that we haven't talked about. I'll start with the sleepers, though. Daniel Suarez, he had back-to-back third-place finishes at Texas in 2019, which, of course, was with, when he was still with Joe Gibbs Racing, so obviously not in that equipment anymore now with Trackhouse Racing. But after those back-to-back third-place finishes... Failed to place above 23rd there last year. Obviously, that was with Gaunt Brothers. I think Daniel Suarez definitely is kind of a driver that he's working with the equipment that he's got. But I actually like him a lot this week. I mean, he starts 19th, coming off a really strong day at the Roval, was kind of running up front, ended up finishing, I believe, 13th. He's valued at 6,900. And it's just a track at Texas where he's had success before. So maybe, you know, he could be a guy that finishes in the top 10 or at least has an outside chance of doing that. And then also... Austin Dillon, kind of on the flip side of the coin, I feel like there could be some people out there expecting a really big day out of him because he got the win at Texas last year, and he's been consistent. Uh, you know, he finished inside the top 15 the last five races there, but starting 15th, I just feel like it's it's going to be a little bit difficult for me to see him finishing far above that. I would see maybe his ceiling is like eighth, in my opinion, and valued at 7,500. I just think that there's, there's going to be better drivers uh, with higher ceilings and higher floors than Austin Dillon in that price range. But then, Cole, there's also another couple drivers that are favorites to win the championship that we haven't even talked about yet with regards to Texas. Right, and the first one's going to be Chase Elliott, who started his cup career very strongly at Texas with a top-five finish in his first start. Um, that would extend into a four-race top-ten streak, but in the last four races there, he has yet to place above 12th. He did finish third in the All-Star race, and he's been one of the best cars on mile-and-a-half tracks in 2021 with his HMS teammates. Um, starting six, valued at $10,100. Um, you know, I'm not going to count Chase Elliott out. Obviously, he's going to be a favorite going in for sure, and for a good reason, just given his status on these tracks. But I think, kind of like we mentioned with Kevin Harvick and guys like that, and, uh, Martin Truex Jr., when you have a guy like Kyle Larson in that same price range, I, I d- don't really want to have somebody like Chase Elliott in there, just because I know Kyle Larson's going to lead all those laps, potentially win stages, and win the race. So 
Um, not going to say don't pick Chase Elliott, but you have guys like Kyle Larson out there who you might want to flex in your lineup instead. And then finally, we have Denny Hamlin, who has three wins at Texas, his most recent coming in 2019, but he only has three finishes above 20th in the last eight races there. It's kind of no surprise. He's historically been very hit or miss at Texas, but with the way they've been running in the playoffs, he should be a strong candidate for the win or a top 10. Um, Again, they've been really strong on the intermediate tracks as well, and they've established themselves as the championship favorites along with Kyle Larson. So starting second, valued at 9,900, should be a nice little uh, back and forth day between him and the five car all day. And without further ado, as that kind of takes us through the drivers to watch, let's take a look at our DFS lineup recommendation and a lot of familiar names. It's all guys that we literally just talked about, and it's led off by none other than Kyle Larson. I think if you're going to pick any driver that is highly priced, Kyle Larson's got to be it. I mean, like you think of the other guys, Kevin Harvick going to get you place differential points, but Kyle Larson, I mean, there's just so much upside with his ability to go out there and perform so well from the first lap of the race right down to the last one and possibly winning it. Um, And then after that, we mentioned we feel very strongly about Ryan Blaney, valued at 9,500. He is the second highest priced driver in our lineup. And another guy that we consider to be a lock is Kurt Busch, starting 17th. Excellent success and consistency, really, at this track. And then he would be followed by Tyler Reddick, the highest starting non-playoff driver who comes again with a little bit of a risk, but a track that he is very successful at early in his career. And we saw, you know, we talked about many times, momentum is so important in this sport and coming off a really big day where he almost won again at the Roval Valued at 7,700, really good upside with Tyler Reddick. And then finally, Ryan Newman, valued at 7,000. Again, really good recent success at the later years of his career, starting 31st. He's a good pick there. And then Eric Jones, valued at 6,600, consistent, solid driver. He's going to start 21st and could get you solid amount of points there. But Cole, anything you want to add on those drivers I just mentioned? Not a whole lot to say. I just think it's a very well-rounded lineup. I think you have your consistency in Kurt Busch and Tyler Reddick, and then you have your potential winners in both Ryan Blaney and Kyle Larson with your sleepers, Eric Jones and Ryan Newman, who give you a lot of chance to give you a lot of place differential points. So, And they've also been pretty good as of late, so I think this is a very, again, well-rounded lineup, and I think it's going to give you a lot of money, hopefully, here on Sunday. Hopefully so. Our, our Roval lineup didn't fare very well. Obviously, there was a lot of calamity in that race, and things kind of just went haywire in a lot of different directions, but... We've had great success at the intermediate track, so we'll see how that goes. And now it's time for the fun part. Let's go with our race predictions. I went first last week in picking Chase Elliott, who, of course, we know the trouble he ran into. And uh, you picked Kyle Larson, I believe, last week, who ended up winning. So you now have a chance to go for two in a row. You have the first pick this week. And who are you going to take first overall if you're going to pick who is going to win at Texas for your winner and your sleeper? You know, I hate to do it. I really do. But I got to go back to that Kyle Larson's. I just think there's no way he Well, Okay, I won't say there's no way that he doesn't win this race because I think there's a few other guys out there who can definitely challenge. But I think this will definitely be a Kyle Larson race. You you heard the intermediate uh, track stats, all those laps led, the 10 stage wins, the sixth place average finish. Um, I think that this round of eight really caters to Kyle Larson specifically and Hendrick Motorsports. But Jogi was racing a bit in a way, too. So Kyle Larson's going to be my pick to win this race once again. And then for my sleeper, we're going to go with Kurt Busch, who we mentioned it earlier in the show. We mentioned it for our DFS lineup. Very, very consistent at this track. I think he also has a moderate shot at maybe surprising for the win, just given his success at these tracks lately, especially with the win at Atlanta, which is a kind of similar track, maybe not as worn down. But 
Kurt Busch will be my sleeper. Kyle Larson will be my winner. Yeah, I mean, how do you not go with Kyle Larson, honestly? Like, that that is, we say it a lot. Like, it may be the boring pick. We don't want to do it two weeks in a row. But, like, he's won seven races this year. And he's just been absolute money on the intermediate tracks. And, and at Texas earlier this year, got the win uh, in the All-Star race. So, great pick there. I'm going to go with Ryan Blaney, though. I, I was planning this pick from the very start. It just feels like a race where Ryan Blaney, it, it could go out there and win. It's one of his best tracks. He starts fourth. He's the highest starting Penske driver. And I think he's going to dice it up with the leaders. I, I don't think it's going to be a day where he leads a lot of laps. It, really in typical Blaney form. You know, he doesn't always lead a lot of laps. But I think if there is a late race caution or really just any long green flag run in, in any event, I just see Ryan Blaney being there at the end. He is a, a guy that I think could go out there. He's proven this year that he can go out there and take wins away from the likes of Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Busch. And I think he's going to possibly get it done this weekend at Texas. And then my sleeper I kind of alluded to earlier is Daniel Suarez. Maybe, again, a little bit of a unorthodox pick there because he hasn't finished above 23rd in the last couple of years there. But, again, racing in better equipment. And for this driver specifically in Daniel Suarez, I think confidence is, is such a real and big thing. And, and having that solid run at the Roval and, and almost finishing in the top 10 and, and running there at certain points in the race, I think that that seems going to be on a roll. I think he wants to finish the 2021 season on a high note. It's a track that he has had. Again, back-to-back third-place finishes. I don't care what kind of equipment you're driving in. Like, that speaks for itself. He knows his way around this track, and I expect a pretty solid day out of Daniel Suarez, who could even be a, a solid guy to flex into your lineup. If you're not a big Ryan Newman fan, uh, you know, Daniel Suarez, he's not not valued very much. Throw him in your lineup. I think he has a, a good outside chance of finishing in the top five of this race. With that, though, that is going to do it on this week's edition of The Money Stop. As we head into the round of eight, we're really drawn to a close on the NASCAR season after this. Go to Kansas, Martinsville, and then Phoenix, and we're going to crown a champion by this time next month. So there's going to be quite a bit to talk about. Really crazy to think about all the predictions and things we've talked about all throughout this year. And, and there's only four races left. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll see who gets off on the right foot in the round of eight. Um, but I definitely recommend that you follow us on social media at the underscore money stop. We're always posting great graphics and visual representations of our predictions. That'll make it a little bit easier for you to take it to the bank and lock in your bets. Um, so that's at the underscore money stop. And please do also continue to follow, like, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you may be listening. It is the money stop, the most important stop of the day. And without further ado, for Cole, I'm Steven, and we will see you very soon. Gotta make them wanna come back for more.